Thank you, ladies. I appreciate that. The man who actually wrote that song is named Ron Hamilton. And Ron Hamilton currently is near death. Uh, my, <clears throat> my wife has been following his, his um, not progression, what would be the, anyway, he's, he's not doing well. So if you think about it, pray for him. He's, um, he's had a lot of influence on a lot, a lot, in the lives of a lot of people. Uh, and it, it is uh, a sad thing when people that have that kind of influence are, 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 are dying. But uh, anyway, turn in your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians in chapter 2. We've been talking about God's timetable for the end times. And <clears throat> there are primarily two verses that kind of sum up, if you would, the end times. And I'd like to share those with you here real quickly. In, uh, in Titus chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, it says, Looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify himself, a, a peculiar people, zealous of good works. And um, these two verses kind of encapsulate, if you would, I believe, the end times for a believer. It is something that we should be looking forward to, uh, not, not fearing. But at the same time, we should be fearful for the unsaved uh, because they're going to be facing some very difficult times, obviously in the tribulation, but also in the eternity without God. And it should motivate us. It should motivate us uh, to walk with God and share the love of Christ. Uh, I have a picture for you. I've showed this picture multiple times through this series uh, just so that you kind of have an idea of uh, what the what the end time. Again, this is just a snapshot. This is not an in-depth uh, thing. There's a whole lot more to it than this, but this is just a, the basics of it. Um, from the from A to C is is known as the church period. From the cross where Jesus died and rose from, uh, uh, three days later for our sins, um, to the uh, rapture of the church. And then from, from uh, um, C to E, we have the tribulation period here on earth. And while that's taking place here on earth in heaven, you'll see at the top it says Bema, uh, or, or the, some people call it the, the uh, judgment seat uh, or the Bema seat of Christ. And that's where believers will be judged for their works on earth. And then, and then E is the second coming of Christ. And then we have the millennial reign, the, the thousand-year millennial reign, then the final last judgment, and then eternity. Again, there's, there, is, <clears throat> there is a lot more to it than this. Okay, We could spend months going through the end times. But the point is this. We have been going through 2 Thessalonians, and so we're kind of sticking to what Paul talks about here in 2 Thessalonians. We've, we've talked about the rapture of the church. And we, last week we talked about the Antichrist and 
what he basically what he is going to look like. Um, uh, and we talked about this last week because the Antichrist is a political figure. Uh, anytime a charismatic uh, political figure comes on the scene, people automatically ask, "Well, is he going to be that? Is he the Antichrist?" Well, uh, chances are probably not. Uh, the Antichrist will more than likely. Most theologians believe that the Antichrist will come out of nowhere and will take over uh, the, the ten nations in Europe and <coughs> excuse me. So if you were to go to Google and, and I, you know, I don't, I, I don't know if you really want to do this, but if you do it, 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 if you just say who is the Antichrist, you will get your your computer will explode. Okay. Um, but I, I did that just to see what would happen. And the top two names were uh, 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 President Donald Trump and President Barack Obama were the top two. Um, I thought, are you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> and the answer to that, I didn't have to open and read it because the answer to that is no. Okay? <laughs> just no. Okay? Um, anyway, so that, that's enough on the Antichrist. Well, well anyway. <clears throat> this morning we're going to be talking about the return of Christ. Now, can can we leave can we leave that up for just a second, Chris? I wanted to I want to point something out here because there this is there is a lot of confusion in end times when you're reading and studying and different things. There are two events that get that get uh, confused. Okay, and that is the second coming of Christ and the rapture. A lot of people think that the rapture and the second coming of Christ are synonymous. Okay, it's it's different. Okay, it's two totally different events. And I, and I want to explain to you why, okay? Um, during the rapture, the Lord never comes to earth. Okay, let, let me read you a passage here. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and verse 17, uh, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So the Lord never returns at the rapture. So then shall we ever be with the Lord. But during the second coming, he will then return to earth and uh, in Revelation, and there's, there's multiple passages. I just picked one. Revelation chapter 19 Verses 11 and following says, And I saw the heavens open, and behold, a white horse. <clears throat> Let me stop right here. Um, I get asked periodically, especially those of you that are pet lovers, uh, if there are going to be uh, animals in heaven. And the Bible does not really address that, uh, whether little Fluffy is going to be in heaven or not. Um, <clears throat> but we do know that there will be horses in heaven. Okay, so just thought I'd kind of throw that out there. I'm sorry. Yeah, there you go. Um, uh, and and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness uh, he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and his head was, uh, and, <clears throat> and on his head were many crowns. And he made a, a name written that no man knew, but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. 
and the armies which were in heaven followed him upon the white horse, uh, clothed in fine linen, uh, white and clean. Again, uh, another example would be uh, during the Battle of Armageddon, if you're familiar, f- familiar with it, uh, he would be here on earth to be able to do that. So, <clears throat> the return of Christ. Uh, please don't confuse it with the rapture, okay? That's an easy, that's an easy uh, confusion point. So, <clears throat> we have four points this morning, four different uh, things I want to talk about in, in, in 2 Thessalonians. Uh, in chapter 2. The first one is the return of Christ. Letter A, he will judge the Antichrist. <clears throat> Christ, while he is here, will judge the Antichrist. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Uh, and then shall the wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit uh, of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him who whose coming is after the working of Satan with the uh, with all power and signs and lying wonders. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you you do in our lives. And Lord, as we look at the the uh, the second coming of Christ this morning. I do ask that you would speak to our hearts, that you would encourage us with these words, but Lord, that it would motivate us to be more willing and see the urgency of sharing the gospel with people. We are living, I believe with all my heart, we are living in the end times. And the time is short. And we need, we need to share the gospel. Help us, dear God, for it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. No one on earth will be able to stand against the Antichrist. Many will try. Many will resist him. But no one will be able to prevail over him. In Revelation chapter 13, verse 4, it says, And uh, and they worshipped the dragon and gave power unto the beast. And they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Now, we talked a lot about the Antichrist last week, and and I'm going to, in order to talk about the the return of Christ, I still need to talk a little bit about the Antichrist. Um, But understand, again, and, and this is an important factor, is that he is a political figure, he is not a military figure. He is a political figure. Uh, let, let, let's look at let's look at verse eight here because this this kind of gives us some insight that is important. Um, uh, and then shall the wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Now Paul uses two words here to describe the result of the judgment of Christ when he comes. When, when Christ comes, he will, judge, he will judge the Antichrist, and he gives us two results here. The first one is the word consume, and the second one is to destroy. Now these are interesting phrases because <clears throat> the word consume means to take away or to damage 
The word destroy means to render inactive or to put out of commission. Why is that so important? Well, that, that's important because the words, the two words, do not in any way indicate any sort of annihilation. And you think, well, why is that important? Well, it's important because Satan and his demons will be tormented for eternity. After the thousand-year millennial reign, they will be cast into hell for all eternity. So if, if Christ were to annihilate them, then that could not take place. In Revelation chapter 20 and verse 10, it says, And the devil that deceived, that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophets are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now, <clears throat> I don't know about you, but knowing that Satan will be bound and cast into torment forever and ever kind of helps me put up with what he's doing now. Does that make sense? I, I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> when Christ judges the Antichrist, he will once again demonstrate his power over Satan. I want you to think about something for a minute. How does the Antichrist have so much power and influence in the world. I, I, I've spent a lot of time trying to answer that question, and <clears throat> I don't know all the answers. Okay, I, I am not an a, a end times theologian. I'm not a theologian in any way. I'm just a simple pastor that reads his Bible. <clears throat> but I've, I've tried to delve into it and try to figure out why, how, how could a single man, other than the fact that he's going to be empowered by Satan, how could a single man wield so much power and influence? And as I was studying for this message, it, it dawned on me, and the answer, I believe, the answer is in verse 9. Uh, and that it brings us to point B in our, our message this morning. This is our second point. And that is his power and influence. His power and influence. Look at verse 9. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. And it dawned on me, there are two identifiers here that is, I believe, a, a, a answer to my question. How does he get so much power and influence? Well, I believe it, it comes in what the Bible calls here signs and lying wonders. The word signs here literally means miracles. He's going to be a miracle worker. Uh, he, will, he will be empowered by Satan. He will have the ability to to do miracles. The second 
phrase here is lying wonders. And <clears throat> I, 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 I had to do some research on this, these two words. And basically what we would call it today is black magic. So through miracles and satanic or black magic, he will be able to convince people that he is Christ. And there will be a lot of people, a lot of people that will follow him because of those two things. Now, <clears throat> I want to I want to kind of stop here and, and and back up just a little bit. How did God lead his people in the Old Testament? Okay, by what? Okay, okay, by prophets, by in the in the Old Testament uh, when the Jews were leaving. Uh, Egypt, they, he did it by fire and a pillar. A pillar. Uh, uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> okay, but my my question. Okay, this is the answer to my question. By signs and wonders. Okay, he he, God did. He uh, another a perfect example would be um, Samson. Um, now, those of you that have grown up in Sunday school. Uh, how, how many of you have ever seen uh, pictures of Samson, a, a really big guy, all muscular and 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 you know, brrr, you know? Well, that that's probably not true, because the the Philistines could not figure out why he was so powerful. If he was this big muscular guy, it would kind of make sense. But chances are, Samson was just a normal guy that God did miraculous things through. See, that's how God worked in the Old Testament, through signs and wonders, and, and he used those. And, and because of that, people would follow. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> um, one of the greatest examples would be uh, the, the, the ten plagues in, the, of, in, in Egypt. Um, God did miraculous things. But I want to read you an account in Exodus chapter 7 in verses 10, uh, 10 to 12. It says, And Moses and Aaron went in unto Pharaoh, and they did so as the, as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. Sounds pretty cool, huh? But listen to what happens next. Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers, now the magicians of Egypt, and they also did in like manner with their enchantments. For they cast down every man his rod, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. See, Satan will be able, through the Antichrist, to mimic a lot of the miracles of God. 
Can anybody tell me what Satan, another, a, a phrase that Satan is called uh, in, in the New Testament? The prince and the power of the air. See, he's, he, he is the prince and the power of the air. He will be able to do miracles and he will be able to do things. And through this, the Antichrist <clears throat> will gain power and control. See, the, the, when God did miracles in the Old Testament, it was to point people to truth. When Satan or the Antichrist will do miracles during the tribulation period, it will to point people to them or to him, to worship the beast. Because of this, he will be able to consolidate his power and influence. And, and we, at least I can't figure it out, but he will somehow be able to take over the world economy. And we talked about it last week and, you know, the, the 666 or the mark of the beast on the, on the back of the hand or the forehead. We'll not be able to buy or sell because of this. Let me ask you another question. We know that in the Old Testament, God <clears throat> used signs and wonders to guide his people. How does God guide his people today? Through the word. See, we are to live by faith, not by signs. In fact, we're told this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. For we walk by faith, not by signs. I want you to think about this. I, I, I don't know what made me connect all this together, but I want, you, I want you to think about this. Today, we live in a world that has turned actors into heroes. Think about this. They're way overpaid and they have way too much influence in our society today. Does anybody know what the Bible word for actor is? Hypocrite. hypocrite. What is a hypocrite? A hypocrite is somebody who says one thing but does another. That, that's, a perfect, that's a perfect definition of an actor. Think about this. We pay our actors millions of dollars to lie to us. Right? It makes no sense. But we make heroes out of them. And we allow them to influence our young people and to influence our society today. In Matthew chapter 22, let me give you an example of the word hypocrite here. Uh, <clears throat> verses 17 to 18, it says, Tell us, therefore, what think thou? Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites, or you actors? You say one thing, but you do another. 
And that's exactly, that is exactly what the Antichrist will be, a hypocrite. He will say one thing, and then three and a half years into the tribulation, he'll show his true colors. And he will reveal himself for who he is. So, <clears throat> the return of Christ. Number one, uh, he will uh, judge the Antichrist. Uh, secondly, he will. Uh, we talked about his power and influence. Thirdly, he will judge the unsaved. Look at verse, verses 10 to 12. And this is where it should break our hearts. This is the part that should get a hold of you and should you should want to share Christ because of this. Verses 10 and through 12. And with all deceivableness and unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause God sent uh, shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. As believers, we should be motivated to share the truth. I've talked about this before. I want to talk about it again for just a moment. Why does God give us all of this information? So that we can set our calendars and try and figure out when he's coming and do all that. No, I believe, I believe God gives us all of this information to break our hearts and to motivate us to share the truth of the love of God. Because time is short. Time is short. Many people will be saved during the seven-year tribulation. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. But the, ma the, but the vast majority of the people will follow the Antichrist and will not be saved. Please understand that any person who rejects truth breaks the heart of God. Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 11, I say unto you, unto them, as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil way. For why will I die, O house of Israel? I don't know about you, but I can sense the, the, the burden of God. And when he was writing this and, and, and sending it through the prophet Ezekiel, Please turn away from your wicked way and turn to me. God does not delight in the death of the wicked. I remember back when Saddam Hussein was captured. But I remember the day that he died. And there were a lot of Christians that were happy about that. And I'll be honest with you, it broke my heart. Was he responsible for a lot of people dying? Absolutely. 
But as he entered hell for eternity, it broke the heart of God. Because, believe it or not, Christ died for him just like he died for you and for me. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Whenever I talk about things like this, the question always comes up. What about those that have not had the opportunity to hear the gospel? The, the, the people who don't live in America, the, the, you know, the, the vast majority of the world today. And God has made provision for people like that. There's multiple things in Scripture, but I just wanted to, to, to share this with you. God has revealed himself in the hearts of every man that has ever been born. Romans chapter 1, verses 19 to 21, it says, Because that when, uh, with, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath shown it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, but under, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse." Because, because that, uh, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, <clears throat> but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish hearts were darkened. An important truth here. Why did Christ come? Why did, why did Christ come? Did Christ come to create a, a new religious regime? No. If anything, he came to destroy religion. Somebody, I was talking with somebody yesterday and, and I made the statement, uh, <clears throat> I am not a religious person. And, and, and when I said that, she, she kind of looked at me and I said, I said, uh, you know, she, you know, because I get that every once in a while. But you're a pastor; you're supposed to be religious. And 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 my 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 statement: is, No. What what? How did how did Christ treat religious people? He was really hard on them. He called them whited sepulchers. Because religion is man-made. Relationship is what Christ came for. Christ came to have a relationship with mankind, not to create another religion. Jesus answered this question why he came in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. It says, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to save the lost, period. He also said it in, in John chapter 3 and verses 16 and 17, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. 
That's why Christ came. That's why studying the end times is so important, so that we can understand and, and get the burden for the lost. Now, in closing, I, my, my last point this morning, I want to answer a question that I, I ha, I've had this, this question for years. And <clears throat> look at verse 11 before I give you the point. Uh, verse 11. And for this cause, God shall send them a strong delusion and they shall believe a lie. Now, I, I can't tell you how many times I've read that verse, hundreds of times. And every time I've read that verse, I've always asked myself, what lie? It says that, th- that they're going to believe a lie. What, what lie? We don't, do we know? I believe we do. As I, as I studied and I, I read all kind of commentators, oh, point number four is the lie. What's the lie? As I studied and prayed and sought the Lord over this, I, I, I am convinced in my heart, I believe I know what the lie is. It's the same lie in Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God hath, <clears throat> for God doth know that in the day ye shall, that ye eat thereof, ye shall, your, see I'm doing it again. And then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods. You see the small g? Small g gods, knowing good and evil. I believe the lie is this, that every man wants to be his own God. Another way we could put it is the pride of men. The truth is this, I don't care how spiritual you are, and there, there are some people in this church that I consider to be to be men and women of God. I, I truly believe that. But I'll tell you this, at, your, at, 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 at best, every one of us struggles with doing what we want to do. I don't care how much you read your Bible. I don't care how hard you pray, how often you pray, how much you do for the Lord. I can guarantee you struggle with pride. We all do. And that is the lie that the Antichrist is going to sell and the people are going to buy. They're going to believe it. I believe that. Romans chapter 1, verse 25. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the, the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Satan, through the Antichrist, will, will appeal to men's pride. Pride, if you, if you are familiar with the scriptures, 
Pride was Satan's downfall. Satan was one of what was the number one angel. As far as angels are concerned, he was the most beautiful of all the angels. But pride is what took him down. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 to 15. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which doth weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mountain, the mount of the, the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will be the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. Now let me ask you a question. Has Satan figured out the fact he's not going to win? Absolutely he has. What is Satan's goal? Take as many people as he can with him. What should our goal be? To take as many of people as we can with us. It's a battle, my friends. It's a battle. And I'm here to tell you, Christianity is losing the fight. Because Christians across our world, across our nation, in our city, are, are, are fearful about sharing the gospel. Pride is the very thing that will condemn many people to an eternity without God. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 to 7 says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elders. Ye all, ye, ye, all of you be subject one to another. Be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, be, uh, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. What is the key here for the believer? Humility. To swallow our stinking pride and allow God to do a mighty work in our lives. Pride. Now, I'm going to read an extra passage here. I, I actually, as I was going over my notes this morning, I came up with another passage, and so it won't be reflected up on the screen. But I want, as I read this passage, I want you to see in all of these things, at least from the way I see them all, there's a there's a there's an element of pride in every one of them. In Proverbs chapter six, verses sixteen and nineteen. gives us a list of things that God hates. The Bible says in verse 16, it says this, these six things that the Lord hates. Boy, you are fast. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Um, these six things that the Lord hates, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, there you go, pride, a lying tongue, is there pride in that one? Absolutely. 
hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that uh, be swift in running to, to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. I can find pride in every one of those seven things. God hates pride. And it is pride that will be the downfall of many people. Pride cometh before the fall. For someone that has humbled themselves and accepted Jesus Christ, the rapture and his return are something that we can look forward to. And we should look forward to it. I, I, I mean, we sang about it this morning. What was it? I forget the name, the title of that song. The first song we sang. Oh, Because He Lives. I, I, I love that song. Because He Lives, I can face tomorrow. You know what? I, I'm looking for that. The day of His return. I'm looking for the rapture. I'm excited about it. But I'm here to tell you, if you don't know Christ this morning, you should be scared. You should be scared. And we as believers need to do all we can to share the truth before it's too late. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love. Lord, I want to thank you for your patience and your forbearing. And the fact that you have not already come because you could have already come. But the fact that you have it means that you are being patient with mankind and giving us as believers more and more opportunity to do what we can to share the truth of the love of Christ. Why he came. And Lord, as, as we close our service in this, this morning, I, I, I would ask that you would that you would speak to our hearts, that you, would, that you would encourage us, and that you would help us to be more like you in everything that we say and do. We need you. We need you desperately. with every head bowed and every eye closed. Let me ask you, do you know Christ this morning? Have you put your faith and trust in Christ? Or do you, do you have any questions about it? 